And I hear this voice that speaks to me and I immediately knew that was God. But like I heard this voice that said, it doesn't matter how much sin there is in your life, how much evil or pain, how far away you may be from me. I am God. I am greater than all of that. And I can give you more than just a second chance. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Café con Santos, a show where we promote the rosary, reflect on the life of the saints, and share many journeys in the faith. I am Ricardo Hernandez, the host of this show, and today we are going to be talking with Arturo Medina, not Antonio. Not Antonio. <laughs> That's yeah. a running joke. If you guys have seen previous videos with Arturo, you'll get the reference. Uh, but today, uh, Arturo is going to be with us. You guys are going to hear a little bit more about who who he is, what he does, and all that good stuff. But before we get started, Arturo, I have to ask you the most important question. Are you ready? Yes. Do you like coffee? <sighs> when to be honest, dirty is, is important. I'm not going to lie. Truth is, yes, I do. Actually, that. got some coffee over there, so. <laughs> that was not staged at all. <laughs> that was not staged. We're going to start with prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the gift of life. We ask, Lord, that you join us during this podcast. Send your Holy Spirit to guide us. I ask that you also accompany the listeners so that whatever Arturo and I discussed during the show that it may help the listeners in some way please protect us from the enemy help us to uh, not get confused or not get attacked and and let please protect uh, all the technology all the cameras and all that stuff that it may not experience technical difficulties and just help us to experience your goodness and all the beautiful and amazing things you have done in your life we ask all of this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right, so we call this segment, Ask Arturo. I'm going to ask you a series of questions, yes. and you're going to have to answer it as honestly as possible. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's right. go. First question. If you could have a superpower, what would it be? Okay. I got two. I don't know if one of them counts. So the two, the second is the backup. Uh, I think I would like to have a superpower like to make people happy to bring joy like especially the people who are going through difficult times have that superpower to somehow bring them bring joy to them i mean if that doesn't count then i would like to like to like i would like to like manipulate matter so like i can transform water into fire fire into grass grass into like some tacos or something like that you know it'll be i think it would be pretty cool you know not create something out of nothing it's just like switch stuff Okay. Are you a fan of country music? I do. Uh, I, I don't I don't know a lot of songs because um, I usually when I listen to it, it's in the car, like to the radio. Um, but I, I do love the music. I really like the style. 
Are you a dog or a cat person? It never I really had a, a cat. The times that I've had a pet, it was a dog. Um, so I would say probably a dog person. But I'd like to try maybe having a cat. What set of mysteries do you like the most when praying the rosary? Joyful mysteries. What was one of your favorite cartoons as a kid? Dragon Ball Z. Yep. Did you ever practice going Super Saiyan? Oh, I did. <laughs> I did. <laughs> that was great. If you were given a thousand dollars, what is the first thing you would do with it? Probably pay bills. <laughs> Finish paying some bills. What is one thing that most people do not know about you? That's a good one. Um, I'm a man of many mysteries. I, think, I don't know. So I think... I feel like when I've shared my testimony, people know a good deal about me. But I, I feel like one of the things I haven't mentioned a lot is that I used to do rap in Spanish. Never done it in English. Um, I, feel, I feel like that's, that's one of the things not a lot of people know. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, uh, you, you brought it up. So uh, give us a rap. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I can improvise right now. Right. Uh, I haven't done enough. it in a long time. Fair enough. Uh, what was your dream job growing up? Um, I had a lot. Actually, changed very frequently. But I think the one job that I always went back to was being an architect, and uh, that was because. I, I since I was uh, a kid, I, I used to work like I started working at a very early age, and I liked designing things and building things. My dad, he was not vanille construction. Um, I really always admire architects for building houses and things like that. So that was really interesting. What is one of your pet peeves? I was really thinking about that. I don't know. Um, I like driving when people like just go right in front of me or do something like bad driving um, it doesn't get me mad but I'm like ah, why do you do this like like um, no, like not so much because like it makes me angry but like dude you're putting everyone in danger like you know it's uh yeah I guess like that's one of them but like bad if we driving. were driving and then you're at approaching a red light yeah. and someone behind you just kind of like passes you and passes the red light that kind of stuff not so much you know like it's more like when actually it's like a lot more dangerous like if I see someone crossing the red line I'm like, that's not right but you know but more more is like more like if all of a sudden you're like in the freeway and then all, someone jumps into your life right in front of you like all of a sudden like dude like come on uh, I don't like know. That. Passing don't know. a red light seems pretty dangerous, but I guess that's, yeah. that's one of my pet peeves. Yeah. <laughs> People that just kind of yeah. like, or that ignore the stop sign and just kind of start driving. All right. I uh, guess, yeah. If you could be the patron saint of one thing, what would it be? Ooh, patron saint of... I've always been into youth ministry. So I think I would like to be a patron saint of youth ministry. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, Arturo, for that segment of Ask Arturo. So if you don't mind now, uh, could you just share a little bit about your testimony? Uh, you said you've you've shared your testimony before, but uh, just like to invite you wherever the Holy Spirit is, is guiding, wherever you are with your life right now, uh, whatever you feel comfortable sharing with listeners. Okay, let's see. A little bit of my, my faith journey. Um, 
my family was always uh, Catholic, you know. I would say more not necessarily practicant Catholic, more like um, culturally Catholic. They're from Mexico. Um, so my whole family was Catholic, so the faith was always there. Uh, but we didn't really practice the faith, and I didn't really know much about my faith either. Um, so though I was born here in Detroit, I actually grew up in Mexico. And being in Mexico, I did my first communion, my confirmation when I was nine. Um, and I honestly don't remember much. <laughs> like... I didn't learn a lot from about of my faith. You think that was years. that was because you were young or because I feel, of the teacher? I, I feel like both. <laughs> uh, I I was young, not paying attention, but also like, um, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, it was not it was not interesting. Um, and of course, like the, the catechists, they try their best, but it's not like she was as engaging either. That's it's. I mean, yeah, in all honesty, but. Um, yeah, so it's like my the faith was always there, like the Catholic faith. But um, my family, we didn't really practice the faith a lot. You know, we'll go to mass like on important dates um, every year, at least at the beginning of the year, things like that. But I didn't like going to mass. I didn't know why we have to go to mass. You know, so it's a regular kid. Why do I have to go? You know, it's boring. Um, I guess like I had to go through a lot of things in my life that eventually led me to encountering God. Right. Just to mention a few things, like, um, you know, like, I, I had, like, anger and resentment because, like, I was bullied when I was little. And, you know, like, we'll go home and there's, like, always, like, the fights, you know, parents, uh, between to my parents. And, and then, like, we'll eventually got into school. My parents, like, decided to separate. That was, like, my, like, I was trying to find some way to feel appreciated, love, and you could say to belong to something. That's when I was introduced to, like, the gangster life, you know, um, las pandillas. Yeah, las pandillas. You know, started doing, um, hanging out with the wrong people, doing drugs and all these things. Which is don't do drugs, do nugs, chicken nuggets. You know, um, started doing all these things and introduced to rap. That's what when I started doing a little, doing a little bit of rap. But uh, all of that eventually led me to one moment in my life where, like, I, it was where, like the first time that I encountered God, and I I was not even aware that that was it, right? But um. My mom find out about what was going on with me, the things that I was doing, and broke my heart. I remember I was in the house just on that on a few days later, right, by myself, and I'm like, I just had the feeling that I had to go to my mom's room. The house was empty, so I go to the to her room, and I'm just there. And uh, you know, I I had been trying for for a little bit to to change my life because uh, you know I was kicked out of school. People were looking for me, like addicted to drugs and all of this. And um, and I remember like I and at this point, how old were you? Oh yeah, I was like thirteen, I think. Yeah, <laughs> I was thirteen, uh, and I was there in my room, right? And I'm like, I see this blanket of Our Lady Guadalupe there in my mom's bed, and I hear this voice that says, "Kneel and pray." And for me, it was like, no, that was not real. But like the voice, the voice keeps saying, "Like kneel and pray." Uh, so eventually, I go on my knees and pray, and I'm like, "All right, God, if you're real, I need you to do something. I need you to help me with life because my life is a mess. I need your help." Um, and, you know, of course, I broke in tears and like as soon as I like I raised my, my head up, like I'm removing my tears. I'm looking out the window and I have like this awesome, beautiful vision the Lord allowed me to have. where like the whole sky is like covered by clouds, like red and blue. And um, all of a sudden, everything in the sky is being covered by, by the red clouds, just a little bit of the blue clouds on top. And I hear this voice that speaks to me and I immediately knew that was God. Um, 
though I was not familiar with God things, right? I didn't know anything. But like I heard this voice that said, it doesn't matter how much sin there is in your life, how much evil or pain, how far away you may be from me. I am God. I am greater than all of that. And I can give you more than just a second chance. Now, here's a really dumb question. Yeah. Was that voice in Spanish? That voice was in Spanish. So let's hear it. Let's, let's hear I mean, it might be powerful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. No importa cuánto, cuánto mal hay en tu vida, cuánto dolor, cuánto pecado, cuán tan lejos estés de mí. Yo soy Dios y soy mucho más grande que eso. Puedo darte más que vos. Puedo darte más que solamente una segunda oportunidad. Ah, I know, I know. God speaks Spanish and English. You know? <laughs> uh, yeah, so that that happened to me. Like uh, honestly, like when I heard that, like everything went back to normal all of a sudden. Uh, I get up and I just have this feeling like something happened. I don't know what happened. I think God did something, and uh, I, I I even felt different. And um, from that day on, like I. Like the urges that I have for drugs were gone. They call me from school saying that I can go back. The people who were looking for me gone. Uh, I had an awesome conversation with my mom where we were both able to reconcile in a beautiful way. Because, uh, you know, you can say you forgive someone. You can, you, can, uh, you can forgive someone or you can like receive someone's forgiveness. But still, there's always like a little pain in your heart that might be there that needs to be healed. Uh, so that happened in that conversation with my mom, you know. And um, from that moment on, I decided, yeah, I'm going to change my life. I'm going to be different. But I, of course, I didn't know much about God. So I was like, I'm just going to go to mass three times and say thank you to Jesus. And then after that, just try to be a better person. Not really to, buy, to be a Christian, just a better person. So for a whole year, you know, like I improved my life. It was a little better, but it was still that, that void, you know, because I, um, I was doing well. I, uh, I got a job in the gym. I was being responsible. I was studying. I was trying to become smart, to make money, had like a, a lot of actually good friends. Um, but like it's still my life wasn't fulfilled. And then about a year later, that's when I came to to, to the U.S., to, to Detroit uh, in uh, 2014. And by this point, how old are you? 14. Still yeah. 14? Yeah. When well, that, I was US? 13 when, when, what happened is like when I was 13. And then 14 is like when I came here. About a year later, I came, I was living with my grandma. And um, of course, my grandma... God bless her. She's very religious, very strict. And thanks to her, I was able to come to the Lord, right? But I didn't like that at first. You know, if teenagers don't like those religious, strict grandmas. Um, but, I, you know, of course, I love her. I respect her. And, like, so she would, when she would tell me to go to the church, of course, I would go with her. And I was, it was almost every day. So I'm like, oh, God, kidding me? Um, nah, I, yeah, like, during this time in the U.S., you know, I have multiple challenges. And I tried to do a lot of things. Started a little business, um, trying to improve myself, be a better person. But like, despite everything that I was trying, there was like nothing um, to fulfill me, you know. And then, so I think about a year later after being here, so 2015, uh, my grandma signs me up for this three-day healing retreat at our parish in uh, St. Hedwig in St. Francis. Right? And um, so she forces me to go. I'm like, okay, fine. Might as well, if I'm here, might as well learn something. And it was in this retreat where I actually made the decision to give my life to God. So what happened was like, I, I went to this retreat and I started witnessing miracles. Like people started getting healed and, and miracles had to happen. 
there was, there was one lady that got up from a chair. I'm like, there's no way that's true. Like she got paid, you know? <laughs> but like at the same time, I'm like, I've known this woman for a year now. I don't think she faked for a whole year that she wasn't a she wheelchair. She was committed to her role. <laughs> right? Right? She was committed to her role. <laughs> How much is she getting paid? You're like, two million? Like, come on, I'm in, right? right? But like a lot of things are happening, like miracles, and, uh, you know, miracle signs and wonders. And like, and they just struck me with this question. It's like, so if this is real, maybe God is real. And if God is real, I gotta change my life. And um, then people started sharing their testimonies. And there's one guy in particular that he said, like, how throughout his life he was always looking for something that was um, fulfill 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 him. That was like saturate his heart, and um, he couldn't he couldn't find it. And she was like, he went on and on, tried different things, tried everything, but he didn't try God. The only thing that he didn't give a chance to was God. And I was able to like to, to relate to him in a sense because I felt that I was trying so many things and I had been through so many things and nothing was able to really satisfy my heart. And the only thing that I have not given a chance to, or the only person I had not get, given a chance to was, was God. And so um, and that retreat is like, oh, shoot. I think God is real. And if he's real, I got to change my life. Ah, And if what this guy is saying that, you know, I have not given a chance to God and that's why I'm unfulfilled. I do got to change. And they're like, but it became a battle because it it was a three day retreat and it was going back and forth. Do I want to do this? Do I not want to do this? Um, How is my life going to look like after I give my life to God? I need to give up both good things that I like, but in in the bad things that I like, right? Like this is not going to be easy. Um, and to be fair, I got to give you credit, man. You're 15 years. There's no 15 year old that's thinking that kind of question in their life. You know, yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> it is true. It is not. It is not common. You know, like that's why, like, I do youth ministry. I also try to be like patient, patient because like I'm, I'm with a weird one. You know, like I'm like the weird one. That, like that, this doesn't happen commonly, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was like thinking all these things and it was God, all God's grace, you know, like all the suffering and all the things that I've gone through in my life have um, shaped me and allowed me to become the person that wants me to, that God wants me to become. Right. And like, so all these things that happened led me to this moment in a sense um, that prepared me for this moment. So I would say like, or like even those who are like struggling with, with suffering, I was like, God uses that to shape you into who he, who he wants you to be. And eventually so that when he calls you to a greater commitment uh, to a greater role, leadership service, you will have what you need because he has already given it to you. And if he doesn't, if he has not given it to you, he will definitely give it to you. And that was like, what's going on for me, right? Like God was demanding me, demanding that I give my whole life to him. And I had, I had been through a lot of stuff that like had, um, prepared me for that moment. Right. But, uh, but yeah, no, it's true. It's, it's real. Um, yeah, I'm 15 year old me here in this retreat. And like, um, when I came to the U S like, again, I was living with my grandma, my family was in Mexico and, um, so I, I, one of the things I told the Lord is like, like I was trying to come up with goals for life and everything. And the only one goal that I was really certain about is that I wanted to get a good career, a good job so I can make money and build a house for my parents because we have not had a house of our own. Um, and so when I was in that retreat, I like telling the Lord, like, Lord, I will follow you. Um, but give my parents a house, you know, like, um, and then like, 
I remember this this Bible verse. It was like, seek first, busca primero el reino de Dios y su justicia divina. Por añadido, lo demás te dará. Like, seek first the kingdom of God. And everything else shall be given unto you. And for me, it sounded like a great deal. Guys saying, like, take care of me and I take care of you. Like, take care of my stuff, I'll take care of your stuff. Like, that's great. Uh, but the only thing that was, like, preventing me from making that commitment was, that, like, I had this idea that if I follow God, he turn around to everything and just do whatever he tells me. If I do that, maybe I won't be able to give, make a house for my parents, right? Um, so I told the Lord, like, Lord, I'll follow you, but give my parents a house. And then he spoke to me, through me, in my own words, and he said, in heaven. And I hear, as soon as I hear that, it's like my eyes were open. I was able to see from a faith perspective that what really mattered the most at the moment was me giving my life to God so that eventually they can also give their lives to God. It's what good it was going to be to have a house on earth when we don't really have a family, when we're not really united, we're like broken. Um, what good was it going to be to have like a house on, on, on earth if we don't have one in heaven? And so that moment, like when the Lord showed me that, like, I'm in. I don't know what I'm going to do with my life, but I know that whatever I want to, whatever I do for, with my life from now on, I want to do it um, for love of you. That's kind of like just like the beginning stages right there. It's like the moment of my conversion, the moment I decided to, to give my life to God. And I'm going to say like what follow after that if it's the struggle of conversion. When you're trying to live a holy life, but you, you mess up in so many ways. Um, but you also start growing in your relationship with God and start seeing how God speaks. So, um, one of my main struggles was that, that I couldn't hear God in prayer. And it really took like a year. That Were you like expecting to hear him the way that you Yeah, I was. <laughs> I was because that's the way he spoke to me at first. That was the way I was expecting him to speak to me continuously, right? Yeah. Uh, and again, I didn't know much about the faith. Uh, I was helping my grandma with catechism. And like one of the kids asked me a question. Like, this is first communion. <laughs> I had no idea what the answer was. So like, but as to not look embarrassed, you know, as to not like, yeah. So that they wouldn't make fun of me. I was like, well, your teacher told you the answer. You should know. But you know what? Look it up in this book. But like, in the end, in my mind, I'm like, on top of my head, I'm like, no idea what the answer is. But like, I didn't know much about the faith. I just know that I wanted to give my life to God and give, give him a chance. So the, the kids were like, how does God speak to you? Or what was the question? I, I, I don't remember, honestly. Oh, okay. It was a very simple question. And I just didn't know how to answer it because I didn't know anything. But like that showed me like one of the things that I need to do now is uh, learning about what the church teaches and also learning about my relationship with God because yeah. I was just starting. And I think for, for the people that do know you, they mostly know you from the youth group over at uh, St. Hedwig. Yeah. What can you tell us about that time? Yes. So I started going to youth group. Um because again, I wanted to serve the Lord and I wanted to grow my relationship with them. My grandma, I, I was involved in every ministry in the parish except youth group. I didn't want to be there because I was like, yeah, I don't know. It feels a little weird. I don't want to go. But eventually I ended up going and, um, and I loved being in youth group because it allowed me to, to share where I was at in terms of my faith. right? And allowed me to meet other people who were like me and in a similar situation, going through the same struggles. But one of the ladies there, uh, God bless her, she told me, God told me you're going to be in charge of the youth group. And I'm like, there's no way. I think I know who that is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah like, there's no way. I'm like, come on, no. Uh, and she's like, well, I don't know if it was true or not, but that's what I heard. I just, 
had the responsibility of telling you, right? I'm like, okay. And um, eventually they said, like, do you, would you like to give a talk, you know, share a testimony or something? I'm like, yeah, sure. So I did that. And I, and I was surprised because Holy Spirit came upon me. It started, like, speaking through me. And I was like, in a sense, I was able to step back and look at myself and see that, like, I have no idea I knew that. Like, how did I even know that? And I was, like, just preaching and um, uh, the gospel, sharing testimony, encouraging people. And, like, at the end of the, the youth group, um, I, like, I was, like, right? It was, like, this is crazy. And, like, the people were, like, thankful for, for, for some of the things that I've said that helped them, like, to build them up. Um, and I was, like, Lord, if you're going to do this every time, then, yeah, sure, I can be your youth minister. But, like, otherwise, no, because I have, I, I'm not prepared at all. Um and eventually, so yeah, eventually I became the youth minister for, for the youth group in St. Hedwig's. And I was like, what, uh, 15, 16? I think 16 when I was, yeah, like that. Uh, so I became the youth group uh, leader there. And I continued doing youth ministry. Were there, were there any adults? There were some adults. Okay. Should I say their names? Or I don't know. I don't know. If but, you want, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I, I was just asking because yeah. I'm like, wait a minute. A 15 year old. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I know, I know. And that was one of the things that, like, that, that was one of the reasons, too, that I was like, should I be even be doing this? Because, like, I'm not old enough. I'm not prepared. But, like, the Lord, I felt like the Lord was calling me. And, like, this lady was saying, like, also the Lord is calling you, right? And the Lord was working through me in so many ways. Um, and part yeah. of the reason I asked is because right now I'm leading the youth group of Our Lady of Guadalupe. And so I think different youth groups, like with San Gabriel, uh, they have like different styles of leading their youth. I've been here for like a year now and it's mostly been me leading them and giving yeah. them talks and formation and prayer. Uh, but I know with some others, it's the adults that are like in the background, just doing their role as like being the adults in the space, but allowing more of the young folks to like develop. I'm curious what it was like. And what it is like, I don't, you, you haven't been there for a while, I imagine, but what it was like uh, where you were at. Yeah. It, it's been changing, right? And youth ministry is not something that there's only one way of doing it. It's going to be, it's, it can look and it will definitely look in different ways. What it looked like for us, it was, I had, it, it was a leadership team of, of three, me and two other adults. Um, I was not adult, an adult, but I like the two, two adults and me. And then continues, we will also get other volunteers that will come and go and help out. But it was mainly, for, at first it was the adults kind of like giving the sessions, organizing stuff. The kids will go, just come and have fun, you know, uh, receive the information, do the things. But eventually the goal, the goal was like to have them be the ones who lead. Have them the ones who create the group. Like it is their space. Um, eventually, I mean, it started with me taking taking the lead on um, being the leader, and then um, me inviting other teams from the same youth group to help me in the leadership team. So little by little, I started building a leadership team of only teens from the youth group. Those who are like more mature in their faith or were trying to grow in their faith, um, and eventually, yeah, they. They started, eventually, like, I started to, like, step back a little bit and a little bit more. So I asked to let them lead. Uh, and I didn't like that because I wanted to still be the one preaching, teaching, doing, organizing stuff. But at the same time, I, 
I recognize that I need to do that so that other people have the opportunity to grow in their faith. Um, and that's one of the things that I think is very important in, in, in youth ministry is always thinking about how can I help these teens become ministers to the to other teens. So you want them to be disciples, but eventually you want them to be missionary disciples too, be the ones who do them. And the popes have said it. The best ministers for teens, for young people, are the young people themselves. And Jornadas, we we say, well, we don't say it, but part of the reason that it it, uh, it works is, is jóvenes evangelizando a jóvenes. And um, even in Jornadas, there's like a, a team of like older, wiser folks that are kind of like behind the scenes, kind of uh, guiding us in terms of things that we should do, things that should avoid just their, what they've learned with the years. But for the most part, the ones that are leading the group, the ones that are giving the talks, the ones that are pushing the movement forward are, are the youth. Because again, like, and I'm sure you're aware of this, but like when, when, when un joven te dice de Jesús, it, it kind of like you, you, you might listen a little bit more versus if you heard like an older person. Yeah. And sometimes it works when it's an older person, but I think, like you mentioned, and I think that's pretty cool. Um, was it hard, like, because you could say that you had a role of a pastor with a sheep, right? Yeah. I don't know if you ever beat it, beat it like that. Was it difficult, like, letting go of, of that position? It was. It was. Because, so I was I was the youth minister there for after I became the, the youth leader, uh, which is probably when I was, like, 16. I was there for... Two more years of the as the youth minister, like 2018, um, and then that's when I started. I had been discerning my vocation, so when I eventually applied to a seminary, um, I went to a seminary a year after high school. After I graduated from high school, what um, high school did you go to? I went. I went to two of them. Uh, one of them was Experience Academy, which was a school that opened for like six years and then it closed. Mm-hmm. And then my senior year, I went to Voyager or Concerning High School. Okay. Yeah. Uh, close to hope okay but um yeah so i i was in youth ministry and then when i started i was served my vocation eventually graduated high school and then a year later i I ended up entering the seminary and it was hard because it's like leaving youth group right i felt really really bad but the thing what happened is that i only really left youth group for like the first semester so i could focus on the seminary after that uh, even though i was in the seminary I was still doing youth ministry at the, at the parish. And I did that for like three years. Yeah. Um, so you've been in Southwest Detroit practically your whole life, right? Well, what can you say about this community? Like, I don't know, like, in terms of how you've seen it throughout the years, where you see ministry, where you see the youth. Stuff like that. That's a good question. Um, okay. In terms of ministry, I'll say I've I have seen these. I think uh, these like for the Hispanic community, uh, the numbers have been growing, but. Uh, not so much the numbers in, in terms of like just how many people go into the, go to the pews, more like the numbers of how many people commit serving God. 
at least I think that's what what has been my experience, what I've been able to see. After COVID, you know, it was a little hard because like everything stopped. And then like even people who were really committed in the church left for a while and then came back. That they still coming back, right? But I think um, I I definitely think that along with the spirit of the Archbishop, you know, he has this image where um, the church will rise from its from the ashes. That like church is growing in numbers, it may not be in, in in really great numbers, but in the quality of of the few that are like recommitting their lives to God. Um, at least I've been seeing that a lot of what people. You being one of them, for example. And going back to the youth group. Yeah. What were some of your favorite memories? Ooh. Um, definitely when we have field trips, they were like the best. Because you have some always someone doing something crazy. Um let's see. There was one um there was one one trip that we did to Steubenville Youth Conference. And that was amazing because uh, a, a group of us went and those of us who went, like, and I can tell for sure for, for me, and but I can tell you also for the other ones, they, they were transformed. Like we, we went to this retreat, we came back and they were not the same person. They, they were totally transformed by God. And they're, right now, those who went are actually the ones who are leaders themselves in different ways. Two of them are in the seminary right now. Which is pretty cool. They were in the youth. Yeah, they were in, they the, were in the youth group. Yeah. Was, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm thinking of inviting them on the show sometime in the future. Yeah. 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 Um, so you, you shared, say, the beginning, maybe middle ish of your testimony. Yeah. And the, the Lord is always working in us, always kind of like guiding us and always making new things. In our lives where would you say your your life is right now like what what would the yeah. like what would the testimony of right now be yeah i think so i didn't mention much of, of the seminary part um so i went to the seminary because i was discerning the priesthood and during that time it was a time of growing in, in my relationship with god but also growing spiritually it's one, one of the things that i i learned um again like the question you asked me earlier, like, were you expecting God to speak to you the same way that he spoke to you the first? Like, I was. That's how he spoke to me at first. I was expecting him to, to continue speaking to me like that. But I realized that God doesn't always speak like that. Sometimes he speaks in, in the, to other people. Sometimes he just like, it's one phrase that you read from the Bible. Uh, sometimes, yeah, of course, he speaks to you through your own conscience, through your own thoughts. And it may not be as clear. And he challenges you to, to discern what, what is from him and what's not. Um, that's one of the things that, that was very, very big in my time in the seminary, right? When I left the seminary, which was actually last year, um, I think what I will title this, this um, the title I will give to this season in my life was like a season of, um, you could say desolation. But, you know, like, for those of you who are familiar with with consolation, desolation, with Ignatian spirituality, he calls desolation those times where like you don't see the presence of God, but it's not because God is not there, but because God is working even deeper. And so he's allowing you to go through this period of confusion, darkness, and but it's because he's bringing you closer and closer to him, shaping you, purifying you. 
So I was it like it was like a, t- a time of um, purification in this in this in this last um, this past year and also like maybe one my last year in the seminary. Um, yeah, it was a time where where the Lord was calling me, committing me, calling me to commit more fully to Him and to really seek a deeper and more pure intimacy with Him, not just. Just because I was going to mass every day, doing a holy hour and praying the liturgy, the hours every day, praying the rosary, that does that doesn't necessarily mean that I was completely opening my heart to God, that I was really seeking intimacy with Him. So what the Lord was doing through that is like, yes, you have these great ways of coming closer to Me, but you're not giving yourself to Me the way I want you to. I think like it was, it's been a time where I've been realizing that. That God is calling me to even deeper intimacy with Him, and that the external um, exercises that we may do are not necessarily they, they don't necessarily mean that you are actually interiorly giving yourself to God, right? Um, so right now, it's it's actually uh, someone asked me about these right here. You guys can see them, but like they're, these are my consecration chains. Um, two weeks ago, someone asked me about them, and I realized this is like the story of. Like, this is my discernment, uh, my spiritual journey right here. Where, like, the first one, it was the consecration to Mary, which signifies uh, that, like, you're owned by Mary. Like, you, you, you serve him. Uh, this, this was the first one when I did my first consecration to Mary. And it was a time of, of a lot of, like, zeal and commitment. And I was, like, really trying hard to, to grow in, in my relationship with the Lord. And I was, right? And then after that came a period in, in this one during my time in, during the seminary um i got a second chain and it was it's not gold but it looked like if like it had the color gold kind of like we're off already but like um it was signifying a time of 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 grace but like i was not really trying hard enough but yet the lord was blessing me in so many and abundant ways that this was like most of, most of the time in the seminary and then this last one was actually um, it represents my time after the seminary, which where it was like just as this one is like dark. It was at the same time. It was like a dark period of my life where like I was so confused, uh, couldn't feel the Lord, but I knew He was calling me to 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 remain with Him in service. And um, and so the funny thing is like for this entire year, all the way up until uh, until August, I I was only wearing this chain because I lost the solid two. And then, like, the funny thing is that as soon as I found these two and I put them on, it was like my seal for the Lord increased a lot. A lot of graces started pouring down into my life. Um, and I was like, this is amazing. Like, thank you, Jesus. Because, like, I've been struggling so bad right now this entire year. Uh, well, not so bad, right? But, like, like, I've been trying to, like, find you, hear you, uh, experience your love and like the ways that you have done before and i have not been able to have that and yeah it was it was amazing so i, I think yeah this like goes me a little bit reminds me of my, what my spiritual journey has been is me seeking for the lord the lord revealing himself to him to me in amazing ways then me going through this purification period where like he removes himself for my own good and then to to reveal himself a lot more even I think that for those who don't are familiar with Ignatian spirituality, uh, I think one of the common misconceptions is to think that only the the period of consolation or when things are going good, that that is like 
where things are good. But even when we are in desolation, like you might say that's even better because purifying us is, is allowing us to grow deeper in our relationship with Christ. And I can definitely relate to that the year of, of desolation, say. Um, earlier this year, my dad was had like a, a brain aneurysm. And then this was like right around the time of Lent. Um, but there was a lot of little things here and there, but it's also like the, the period where I, I feel like I've grown the most in terms of my, my maturity as, as a man. And I think one of the things that men struggle in our current times is doing hard things. A lot of guys are effeminate. They don't like to, to go to work. Uh, they don't like to do hard things. And the thing about the desolation is a hard time. And so you could almost say that it's where boys become men. <laughs> it is, it is, it is. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, man, just keep, keep going, keep, keep hanging in there. And for those that are listening, um, one of the things about this period is to, to not stop praying, to continue to, to do the things that you were doing, going to church, um, and definitely seek a, a spiritual director if you can, because I think I learned this the hard way. The the enemy likes to confuse you and and do a lot of things to mess with you in terms of the decisions that you make in your life. And so, if you find a a priest, uh, preferably who is familiar with uh, spiritual direction and Ignatian spirituality, they'll be able to kind of like. Assess the situation and, and help. Um, so you're not alone. Don't listen to the devil. The devil's a snake. <laughs> yep. So in terms of what you do right now, you, you work at a, at a high school, right? Yes. Right? By God's providence. Yes. Oh, tell us about that. So uh, actually, you know, my, my one of my, my favorite saints is St. Gemma Gilgani. And actually, she's the one that inspired me to be holy, to be a saint. And the one that um, also inspired me to start discerning my vocation actually enter the seminary, right? So she was there throughout my whole discernment process, through my my spiritual growth. Um, and during the seminary, like, of course, she was present there. We'll talk a little bit about her in a little later, but like, uh, when I left the seminary, um, I immediately went and looked for a discernment, uh, for a retreat center to go and pray because I was like, okay, I'm leaving the seminary. I don't have a car. I don't have a house. I don't have money. I'm starting from zero, taking care of family. I'm like, I need to just find peace in the Lord, ask him for guidance, then move on. Right. I don't want to start just taking everything on myself from the very beginning. I'm like, nope, let me allow the Lord to be the one who tells me what to do. Right. So I went to the retreat center and uh, I couldn't find any retreat center. There was only one. Um, and it was sent by Providence because the priest came to the house where I was, where I was at saying, Oh, we're looking for someone. Um, like at this retreat center, we were offering a job and like, uh, but also the retreat center is available if they need to go for pray to pray or something. I'm like, <laughs> like, let's go. So I went to, I went to the retreat center. And as soon as I go to the retreat center, I realized it was a passionist retreat center. And the picture of St. Gemma Galgani was right there. Um, and right in the beginning. So I went to the retreat center and I'm like, I knew like, yeah, I am. I am like the Lord has not abandoned me, you know, like he's, he's still with me. He's, and he's sending Gemma to, to guide me. Uh, anyway, I went to this retreat and, um, it was amazing cause it was a silent retreat for like maybe a week or so. And, um, the priest allowed me a lot to see 
how the Lord was trying to speak to me in that moment. And um, I just knew that for now, I just need to find a job, whatever it was, until I was able to, to, to find a job where I will be able to still serve the Lord and through ministry, right? And um, so I found a job and I was like going through for like probably one or two months in this job. It was like a sales job. And after that, I eventually found the, the job at Cabrini. And so I applied to it on a, on a Monday. And then on Wednesday, Father Ber Tim Bernie, who was the, the pastor, he calls me. He's like, oh, I, I'm calling because you applied for the job for youth ministry and campus ministry at the school. I'm like, yeah. Like, they didn't even give me a chance to look it up, you know, like to do a little research. Uh, we started talking. And then eventually what I realized is that he's the one who helped me go into the seminary. Father Tim Bernie was a vocations director when I applied. So he helped me go into the seminary. Now that I was leaving, he was helping me get a job outside of the seminary. So I was like, I feel like it's Providence, right? Eventually got the job there at Cabrini. And um, so for my job, it, it was like two part-time jobs put into one. It was campus ministry for, um, for the high school and the academy. And then youth ministry for the family of parishes in that area and downriver. Um, for those of you who are familiar with youth ministry, you might you already know that youth ministry is almost never part time. <laughs> I was like doing like basically a lot of work, but I was like happy, so happy because it's something that I'm passionate about youth ministry and that I was now finally able to do and get paid for it. You know, like this is great. Like I'm doing what I love and at the same time I'm, I'm being able to, to work. So that's that's how I got my job at Karini. Yeah. Um, do I talk a little bit more about uh, what no, do I, I do? Think, I think, go. I think okay. that's yeah. good. Yeah. I think uh, just to try to wrap up this part of the episode, um, what hopes do you have in terms of your journey with Christ? I know the Lord is calling me, has called me to greatness, uh, to great things in my life. Um, I know that he desires my whole heart and I'm trying to do that. Uh, right now, the moment I, 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 to be honest, I do not know what his plan for my life actually is, like in, in terms of particular things. I know he wants me at Cabrini uh, right now, doing doing campus ministry, youth ministry. Um, he actually told me that in prayer, so that was that was a blessing. Um, but I do know he's calling me to to simply seek deeper and deeper intimacy with him, particularly through. The help of Mary, with the help of Mary during the rosary and and staying close to the Eucharist. I know that that's what he has for me. And right now, I you know, like he also wants me to be there for my family. Um and right now I'm I'm like taking care of my family. He wants me to be for them and not only be there for them, but lead them uh in the faith so they can also grow in their faith themselves. I know that's what I need to do right now. What's ahead? I have no idea. Um, discerning my vocation, you know, going between um, marriage and consecrated life. Um, still have my heart open to the priesthood. Right now, at the moment, it's not what I'm called to. Um, I'm, I'm more like called to, to religious life or consecrated life. But we'll see what happens. I, I actually don't know. And I appreciate that honesty. Well, I think a lot of the listeners are in the same boat. They don't necessarily... Oh, what's going to happen in the future? But what we do know is that God loves us. He loves you. That 
his plans are amazing. Amen. <laughs> yes. So with that, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. This episode of Café con Santos is brought to you by the Basilica of St. Anne's de Detroit. St. Anne's is a French origin church that was established in 1701 with their current building built in 1886. There are a few things that were brought from the previous church, which was the stone church. These are the body of Father Gabriel Richard, our founder, currently rests in our chapel, a hand-carved altar rail that was carved in 1853 and is currently in our church, the 1818 cornerstone from the stone church, the statue of St. Anne that's on the shrine, which also contains a first-class relic of hers, and the chapel's altar from 1818 that Father Gabriel Richard used to celebrate Mass in. This church took about one year to build, and all pews were hand-carved. This is a French neo-Gothic structure, so everything points up. There are many known miracles, mostly around St. Anne's feast day, which is July 26. A lot of people come and pray for fertility and to find a good spouse. In the 1960s, St. Anne's Church was in the verge of closing, but thanks to the surplus of Hispanic community, it was able to stay afloat, and it has been a multicultural church since. Through the years, many parish ministries have served in the Southwest community, including Cornadas, Knights of Columbus, Guadalupanas, to mention a few. Good St. Anne, you were specially favored by God to be the mother of the Most Holy Virgin Mary and thus grandmother of our Savior Jesus Christ. By your intimacy with your most pure daughter and her divine son, kindly obtain for us the graces that we seek, the cure for us the strength to perform faithfully our daily duties, and the help we need to persevere in the love of Jesus and Mary. Madre de María y Abuela de Jesús, ruega por nosotros. And we are back. Arturo just finished sharing a bit of his journey in the faith. And now we're going to continue this podcast by talking about the life of a saint. And for this episode, we're going to be talking about Saint Emma Galgani. So I'm going to be reading a short biography about Saint Gemma, and then Arturo and I will talk about how her life affects us today. Saint Gemma Galgani, also known as the Flower of Luca, was an Italian mystic often referred to as the Daughter of Passion for her intense replication of the Passion of Christ. She was born on March 12, 1878, in a small Italian town near Luca. At a very young age, Emma developed a love for prayer. She made her first communion on June 17, 1887. Emma was loved by her teachers and her fellow students. As a student at a school run by sisters, though quiet and reserved, she always had a smile for everyone. Unfortunately, Emma had to quit school due to her chronic ill health before completing the course of study. Throughout her life, Emma was to be chosen with many mystical experiences and special graces. These were often misunderstood by others, causing ridicule. Emma suffered heartaches in reparation 
remembering that our Lord himself had been misunderstood and ridiculed. Emma had an immense love for the poor and helped them in any way she could. After her father's death, the 19-year-old Emma became the mother figure for her seven brothers and sisters. When some of her siblings became old enough to share the responsibility, Emma went to live briefly with a married aunt. At this time, two young men proposed marriage to her. However, Emma refused because she wanted silence, retirement, and more than ever, she desired to pray and speak only to God. Emma returned home and almost immediately became very ill with meningitis. Throughout this illness, her one regret was the trouble she caused her relatives who took care of her. Feeling herself tempted by the devil, Emma prayed for help to the venerable passionist Gabriel Pacenti. Through his intercession, Emma was miraculously cured. Emma wished to become a nun, but her poor health prevented her from being accepted. She offered this disappointment to God as a sacrifice. Emma predicted that the Passionists would establish a monastery at Lucca. This came to pass two years after her death. Today, Emma's relics remain at the Passionist Monastery in Lucca. On June 8, 1899, Emma had an internal warning that some unusual grace was to be granted to her. She felt pain and blood coming from her hands and heart. These were the marks of the stigmata. Each Thursday evening, Emma would fall into rapture and the marks would appear. Such marks, called the stigmata in the language of the Catholic Church, refers to the appearance of the wounds of the crucified Jesus Christ appearing on the bodies of some men and women whose lives are so conformed to his that they reflect those wounds of redemptive love for others. The stigmata remained until Friday afternoon or Saturday morning. When the bleeding would stop, the wounds would close, and only white marks would remain in place of the deep gashes. Emma's stigmata would come continue to appear until her confessor, Reverend Germanus Rapolo, advised her to pray for their disappearance due to her declining health. Through her prayers, the phenomenon ceased, but the white marks remained on her skin until her death. Through the help of her confessor, Emma went off to live with another family where she was allowed more freedom for her spiritual life than she was at home. She was frequently found in a state of ecstasy, and on one occasion she was believed to have levitated. Her words spoken during her ecstasies were recorded by her confessor and a relative from her adoptive family. At the end of her ecstasies, she returned to normal and carried on quietly and serenely. Emma often saw her guardian angel. She sent her guardian angel on errands, usually to deliver a letter or oral message to her confessor in Rome. And Hema Galgani was beatified on May 14, 1933, by Pope Pius XI, and canonized on May 2, 1940, only 37 years after her death, by Pope Pius XII. She is the patron saint against temptations 
against the death of parents, against tuberculosis, of students, and of pharmacists. Her feast day is celebrated on April 11th. Saint Hema Galgani, pray for, pray us. for us. All right, Arturo, any initial thoughts? I have a lot to say about her. All right. Of course, she's amazing. Um, but I guess if I put it down to, to two, two things, I guess. Um, she is a saint that you want to go to uh, if you suffer a lot. Um, and also the saint that you want to go to if you really want to grow in love with Jesus. I think everyone, even those who do not believe in God, they love Jesus, but just, they just don't know it, right? They're, they're trying to love Jesus and other things. Um, but like, for, for the first one, um, she, she went through a lot in her life. Like, of course, like when she was just seven years old, um, Jesus asked her, give me your mom. And she said like, Jesus, yes, but like, take me with, with her. And it's like, no, you're going to make this sacrifice, right? God asking her the sacrifice, like, give me the person that you love the most. And her saying, okay, yes, I will. Seven years old. That is like, man, come on. If a seven-year-old girl <laughs> can do that, come on, what are you doing with your life, right? She, to make that great of a sacrifice, I think, and like, she had a lot of sacrifices she had to do, but like, one of the things that we learned from her, if you read her autobiography or her biography is, she did a lot of sacrifices. And a lot of the suffering that she was given, um, she received it willingly and joyfully. She understood that suffering um, brings you closer to God and suffering helps you, helps you love. And actually, I have a little quote that I want to read from her okay. here in this book. Uh, it's, it's amazing. So it's like, um, so... Uh, on Holy Thursday, 1899, our humble servant vowed to make a holy hour every Thursday evening in honor of our Lord's passion, which she maintained for the rest of her life. As she sat praying and weeping, a vision firstly of Jesus crucified and bleeding, then Christ showing his five open wounds, uh, asked Gemma, Do you see this cross, these thorns, these nails, these bruises, these tears, these wounds, and this blood? They are all works of love. And of infinite love. This is where, this is the part that is like, I want everyone to remember. Do you see how much I have loved you? Do you really want to love me? Then first learn to suffer. It is by suffering that one learns to love. These are the words of Jesus to St. Gemma. Like, if you really want to love me, you got to learn to love, to, to suffer. Because suffer teaches you how to love. I think... Um, you know, she is a saint for this. For those who, of you who may be um, struggling a lot right now and suffering and just like suffering is overwhelming. Uh, of course, like Jesus first. Go to Jesus, especially in the Eucharist. He's right there. But, like if you are looking for, for the guidance, the advice of a, of a saint, you know, because we have our saints, they help us. Um, saint Gemma's one, it's a go-to. She suffered so much in her life. She make a lot of great sacrifices and she loved Jesus like crazy. What, what, what do you think has been one of the hardest things? What are your biggest sufferings? Ooh, <laughs> uh, yeah. One of my hardest suf sufferings. Um, I think family. It's, 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 one, it's one of the ways that the Lord has called me to do a lot of sacrifices and to suffer a lot. Um, you know, growing up in, in, in Mexico, my family didn't really have a good relationship. My, my parents, um, we were not necessarily poor, right? But uh, we also didn't have a lot of money. And, and like, um, it was not like 
because of a lack of work, but just they don't know how to manage money and stuff like that. So I had to work actually at a very young age. I had to take responsibilities that were not mine. And along with my dad, be the man of the house. And then um, throughout my life, that was there. Uh, when I entered the seminary, one of the lies the devil like told me is like, you don't love your family. Um, yes. And I know like, because I was in the seminary leaving them, right? It was like, and I'm like, no, shut up. That's not true. <laughs> like, uh, that was like a, a great sacrifice to, to trust that God is going to take care of them while I'm not doing it. Like, they're like struggling they're, they're They need me. But like right now I'm dedicating this time to, to Jesus. That was one of my, my great sufferings. And then right now it's, uh, a current one is, um, I'm, you can say that the, I'm taking care of my family, my brother, my, my dad, my, my, my mom, uh, my sister, my ne- my niece, my dad actually just, uh, you know, he's been, there's been some, some family issues and I had, to, I've pretty much been responsible for, for like everyone, uh, well, trying to be responsible for everyone. And it's, it's hard, you know, it's like, um, I'm not a dad, right. But like, I feel like a dad and so like, I'm being like, now I'm, my life completely belongs to them for a certain time. You know, it's like the sacrifices that a father needs to make. Um, there are some sacrifices like those that I need to do. I'm like, oh man, it's hard. But like in the midst of all of these, it's like the reason for the reason for the suffering is love. And I think at the end, when you realize that truth, God gives you the grace and the strength to continue to. To, to suffer out of love and to do, do so perfectly and to offer, to unite that, that, um, that suffering to form a worship to him, to the father. It's, it's amazing. I appreciate that you share that with us. Cause I mean, not anybody, not everybody can tell the public, Oh, this is my biggest pain. <laughs> yeah. And you know, um, some things that, that came to mind when you were talking about seeing him and what you're going through, it seems like in the life of a lot of saints, especially the younger saints is that, some point in their life they had to work very hard uh oftentimes taking the role of, of a family member that passed away or stuff like that so uh that i mean if 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 it's of any consolation then you're just following in the steps of the saints uh, yeah i'm going through this through how they went so <laughs> yeah and then the the reason i ask about the cross and the fact that she she says that it is in suffering that we will truly you know love the lord because i think i don't know but i feel like most christians in general always hear yeah man you you need to carry your cross and we're like yes we need to carry our cross and it's difficult but the lord is gonna help us and i don't know like i think a lot of people just view the cross as this like abstract thing that doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily it just sounds like something until you you see how how specific it is to the things that you are going in your life. Yeah. And then sometimes that cross is, uh, you know, very big. It could be like family member that passes away. Sometimes it could be as small as, Oh, um, I don't know, like I lost my job, you know, although that could be big, but the reason I bring this up is because I'm pretty sure just about every person that's going to be listening to this is experiencing some kind of cross. And if what St. Galgani is telling us is true, then it means that that pain that we are going through is good. Like, it's not, it's not like God wants us to suffer. Like, God the Father did not want his son, Jesus Christ, to be tortured, right? To be scourged and have a crown of thorns on his head. And yet, that sacrifice brought salvation to the world. 
And so the beautiful thing about our Catholic faith is that uh, it teaches us that we uh, are able to use our pain, our difficulties, for, for the betterment of other people. We call this redemptive suffering. And it's, it's a difficult time because, like, the, the cross is it's painful, like, like, psychologically, sometimes physically, emotionally, spiritually. But every follower of Christ, every authentic follower of Christ is essentially following in the steps of Jesus. And one of those steps is uh, the cross, being crucified. And, and it's painful, but we got to remember that after that suffering, there's a resurrection. Because not the pain is not going to be there forever, uh, but it is it is a it is a time where we can bring good fruit out of it. I forgot who it is that it said, but they were saying that it would be a waste to not bring anything good out of your suffering. If you're gonna uh, suffer, even the smallest of thing, to offer it up to God. And so it's, again, to the listeners, just um, don't feel discouraged it's it's difficult yes but if we really want to love the lord then we're going to carry that cross because going back to consolation like and i'm sure like this is even like a secular uh idea like who is gonna who who would you consider to love you more the friends that are there with you in the good times but that leave you when things get rough or the ones that are there with you when things are also rough. And in a similar way, when we are experiencing the cross, we would say that that that's where God is like, okay, do you really love me because you love me, or do you only love me because of the good things that I provide for you? And I think that's 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 uh that's where a lot of us need to grow yeah. in. Yeah. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, no, definitely. I think uh you know, love, uh, it's, it's interesting. I was doing a paper and never finished it. Uh, my thesis was on what is love, right? Talking about different what types of love. love right? <laughs> Baby, don't hurt me. <laughs> and uh, one, of, one of the things is uh, like um, our human, our love, our human love, um, it's imperfect and it's not often pure. It, it can become pure, but uh, it's not often pure. And like even our love for God, sometimes it's, it's not perfect. It's not pure, but God takes whatever love you have. And he begins to purify it to the point that you love Jesus because of who he is, not because of what he can give to you. Um, and I think that the cross becomes less heavy the more you learn to love, but also the cross is what's, what's what you need so that you can learn and love, uh, learn how to love. And uh, one of the ways that you will be able to carry your cross is well, the way that you, what you need to do for you to be actually carry, to, to be able to carry your cross is you're not going to be able to do it by yourself is only with Jesus. And he says like, carry, like my, my, what do you say? Me. My joke. And my, my, my joke is, 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 I, is light. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, fabulous here. <laughs> it's, it's fabulous here. Like, I'm trying to take it in Spanish and then like English. Let's say it like, in Spanish. Let's say it in Spanish. Mi llego es ligero y... You guys know you can look it up. <laughs> Typical Catholics. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like Jesus tells you, like he he helps you carry your cross, like follow him and he will carry, help you carry your cross. But the reality is, is like you can't carry your cross. You can't 
you can't endure all the suffering in the world. You, you simply can't. Like, you're going to break down. Right, here it is. Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There you go. That one. See, it's because I think some of us, sometimes we like tend to like flip certain. Yeah. Is, is it this way or that order? But yeah. you guys get it. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And, and, and the truth is this. I can like suffering is unbearable. We cannot carry uh, a life of suffering on our, our own. Jesus came uh, to help us with that. And he calls us, he invites us to, to carry a cross. Because he said like, and, and there's in the Old Testament where he says, uh, my son, have you prepared to serve the Lord? Prepare for, tri- for trial. And like, I think even Christians, when they choose to follow Jesus, um, to live out their, their, their vocation to holiness, you're going to encounter a lot more trial than other people. Um, your suffering is, can, can even become greater. But the thing is, it becomes greater because now you have someone who can carry a lot more, right? It's, it's Jesus. And uh, again, if you're suffering, just remember, the only way you're going to be able to carry this suffering is by coming to Jesus with this suffering. Always, please, go to the Eucharist. Go to the Lord. See, stay there for a reason. You stay there. One of those reasons is that we can go to him when we're in need of him. Yes, exactly. So, um, St. Hema had a, had a good relationship with her guardian angel. Oh, yeah. Uh, what can you tell us about your relationship with your guardian angel? I've been working on it. <laughs> yeah, I think my guardian angel has done a lot of things in my life and I've never noticed. Um, so I'm praying for the grace to, to see how my angel is working in my life and if it has got well for me to be able to communicate with him better right um it'll be awesome like if i was able to talk to him like the way the saint Gemma talked to him at the same time like be humble come on right? yeah. um and even but, then um, we don't need those like i think we could like even the other day i was like driving uh into a gas station and you know sometimes we get distracted like i think i i might have been like looking to the left and kind of like trying to do something with my phone or change the, the song or something. And then like, I kind of look to the right and there's like a person walking there. I was like, Ooh, <laughs> thank you, guardian angel. <laughs> yeah. So like sometimes like even, I don't know, like we, we don't need to like hear a voice, but yeah. in, I think in general, like we, we could, um, we could just ask our guardian angel, Hey, like help me today. There's a angel guard, my guardian dear, whom God's love coming here for this day, be at my side to, light and guide rule and guide something like that <laughs> but the point is yeah. um i mean god gave us a guardian yeah. angel no he gave us a guardian angel because he's, he's the one that's is going to help us throughout our lives to to um to grow in holiness to to eventually make it home you know, back to god the father and um I, th- I think one of the things that some of the things that your guardian angel uh does help you is he will advise you sometimes the way that God speaks to us, our guardian angels can speak to us as well and give advice us into whether to make a choice, uh, do something or not do something. Uh, they, of course, protect us as well. They are like our motivators when we're in times of temptation. Like, don't do this. You got this. You're not that weak, you know. Um, but, and then also, and I think that this goes along, like this happened a few weeks ago. Um, I was talking to St. Gemma Galgani in prayer. I was like just having a conversation with her because I was like reading a little bit about her. And then, um, and I started complaining about this thing going on in my life and like started talking to God and making like this. For me, it didn't seem like a, didn't seem like a selfish prayer, but St. Gemma was like, 
That's very selfish. Don't do that. Okay. <laughs> like, that's one of the things that she does. Like, she kind of like corrects me in that way. But like, and then I heard my guardian angel saying, need to fast from music, from secular music. Like, like all of a sudden it's like, need to fast from secular music. Okay. And I didn't listen to that. And then I, I later on, I went in my car again. I put the music on. And music was terrible. I lost the taste of music. It's like, I don't find any pleasure in this. Why? What's going on? And I just keep like skipping songs, trying to find one that I liked. And like, I, I couldn't find anything. Later on that day at night, uh, I was listening to, to a book or to, to a talk and spoke about um, how sometimes the Lord is asking something from us, from our guardian angels, and we don't listen. And so he does works in, in different ways to, to make uh to get our attention and then i started thinking my garden angel did ask me don't listen to secular music and then when i listened to secular music it didn't taste good like <laughs> it didn't have what it has mm. and now like i've been told that sometimes our guardian angels speak to us god sends our angels to speak to us to correct us and show us what we need to do to grow in holiness i'm like you know what okay fine message clear like <laughs> So that's like one of the ways that, that okay, of course, like your guardian angel will correct you, give you advice to grow in holiness. Um, you don't need to listen to him. Like, it's not always going to be like the way that we're talking right now, mm. but uh, sometimes it can happen, right? But uh, I guess it, from our part, it's important to pray. Um, as, ask God for the grace to, to be able to listen to our guardian angels, to see them when we need to see them. Um, to also like realize that they're present. It's, it's easier to not sin when you have a saint or an angel right next to you, right? Yeah, and please don't name your guardian angel. <laughs> I don't know what the name is for mine. I have no idea. So they do have a name that was given to them by God, but I'm, I, you know, I, I think you guys might have heard before, like when you name your own guardian angel, you're it's kind of disrespectful because you're almost trying to, like giving a name to someone is almost like a, a possession, trying to like, Take possession. Yeah. Uh, just refer to them as my guardian angel. They know who they are. Um, it, you know, I think I've heard it might have been Father Ripperger saying that uh, some people go on and, and they're like, oh, guardian angel, can you tell me what your name is? And then they, they hear all the name, but you never know who's responding yeah. to yeah. that. So yeah. just, uh, just a disclaimer, uh, when it comes to all of these things, especially consolation, desolation, uh, and I think this is something that we could talk about right now is understanding who it is that is talking to you. Yeah. So sometimes the voice in your head is is just you, is having that thought. Sometimes it's the voice of the enemy who's trying to say something deceptive to you. Or sometimes it is the voice of, of God. Um, that you know. And so, I don't know, like, I think, what what can you tell us about how we can better... Discern. discern whether this voice, this thought is good or it's yes. not good. Jesus tells us uh, you will know them by their fruits. I think uh, when, when you're praying and you hear a voice or a message uh, and you think this might be from God, I wanted to, to look at uh, one of the things that you want to ask is like, is this going to lead me closer to people, to, to God? Um, and is this somehow going to harm other people? Draw them away from God. And the reason I say this is like sometimes there's things that you can do that would bring you 
closer to God, but at the expense of hurting someone. That's not God. God is not going to ask you to hurt someone to get closer to him, right? Uh, and the other one is, uh, when I was saying fruits, is um, look at what, how are you feeling when you're receiving these messages, when you're like hearing the voice? Is this giving you peace? Because if it is, yeah, it is from God. If it's giving you joy, it is from God. But if it's making you anxious, it's making you maybe ang angry, you're like worried, like you don't really have peace with it, and it's probably not from God. Um, and there's also your own voice, right? Because you can try to tell yourself things. I think it, when you hear something in prayer, important to ask that question, like, is this going to lead me closer to God? Does this uh, entail any, any, like, harming someone or leading them away from God? And then the, the third is, is this giving me peace? Or how is this making me feel? I think, like, God also tells us things that, um, like God will also rebuke us at times when we're in sin, doing something like that is not right. Like you feel like a little bit sad, but it's not the same thing that same type of sadness that the devil will cause you. Not kind of like the sadness that gives that a parent loving parent gives you when they tell you no to something. Yeah, that's like those are like the three three main things that for, for learning. Um, how to distinguish uh, the voice of God from the voice of the enemy. But there's a lot more. Just uh, look it up and reliable Catholic resources. Um, yeah. And also your spiritual director because there's yeah. false lights. Uh, and this has happened to me where like I think I was so sure that it was the voice of God and my spiritual director told me that is definitely not God. Father, but it looks like, look at this and this and this. That is not God. Um, so... Again, the importance of uh, having a spiritual director and even uh, people who help you discern like whether this is from God or not. This is another important thing. Yeah, I think just one thing I would add is uh, examine your your own spiritual journey in the faith right now, because there's going to be some things that apply to you that might not apply to someone that's been on this journey for ten years. And so I, I'd say that um, if you're very uh, interested and in, and in growing in the faith. Uh, then I would consider looking into the book uh, of uh, the Sermon of Spirits. So it was at Ignatian Spirituality, yeah. which just basically walks or talks about uh, the rules of discernment. Yeah. Um, what was his name? Father Gallagher? No, Timothy Gallagher? I think so. I forget. But he goes through a general uh, set of rules to kind of help you better understand what is God and what is not of God. Uh, and the reason that I say that it, it depends really on where you are in your life right now uh, is because as you, you start to pro progress in the spiritual life, you'll learn that things get uh, a little bit, I don't want to say confusing, but they're going to require guidance from someone that understands the enemy or, and his, his tactics. His tactics. Um, and so if anything that we've been saying has been confusing, if you're like, oh man, I worry. I thought one thing, but now I'm thinking another. Um, first of all, no tengas miedo, este, do not be afraid. Um, I'd say, as a general rule of thumb, if you hear the voice of God and it's bringing you peace, it's not giving you anxiety. Like he was saying, the fruits that it brings in general, that's a, a good uh, thing to to assume that it's of God, and if it's bringing you 
anxiety, fear, then it's not of the Lord. Um, but please, this is usually when, when financial gurus are like, I'm not a financial advisor. You need to go seek your own financial advisor. <laughs> We're not spiritual directors. Yeah. <laughs> go seek a, a spiritual director. Um, but going back to St. Kemma, yeah. uh, do you have any other saints that you have devotions to or who, who have been working before in, in your life? Yes. Uh, got a few. St. Francis of Assisi, uh, St. Mary Magdalene. Uh, of course, St. Joseph. Mary is number one. You know, she's going to be there. And uh, lately, St. Maximilian Colby. This is going to talk a little bit about Maximilian Colby. Yeah. yeah, so actually, back in August, right, um, I, I was, um, August, in like, awesome month, I, I was preparing for, for, I went to a meeting um, to meet with the rector, talking about the sermon, like where I was at in my sermon, left there and I was like to receive a lot of peace so I knew like the conversation that we had was from God because it was like peace and joy to have have experience in a long 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 time and I was like just so happy uh that later that day I went I went to church and I'm like okay Lord like I, I had this amazing meeting I know um where I'm at in terms of my discernment um you're not calling me the moment to the to, to seminary and stuff like that and then um and I was like just so happy but like but okay but now What's next, right? Like, what do you want me to do? And I was in the chapel, and I was in the blessed, in front of the blessed sacrament in adoration, and I hear the name Maximilian Colby. I'm like, context? And of course, like, the, the Lord speaks in different ways to all of us. To some of us, he, he speaks like this. To some of us, in different ways. Um, the Lord speaks to me, like, in awesome ways, but then he leaves me like without anything for a while. <laughs> like, uh, and this was like, he spoke to me and he told me like Maximilian Colby. So I'm like, Lord, any context or something. And then like, I started thinking like, is there a picture of Maximilian Colby or something? And uh, he didn't say anything. So I'm like, okay, I guess I'm just going to look into his life. Started looking into his life on, on the next day. And I realized um, this guy, some, like I knew a little bit about his life, so Maximilian Colby, but I, I didn't know a lot of the details. And like, was, uh, uh, the, he was a Franciscan uh, saint. He was like a really courageous and zealous guy. When he was in the, in the, in the seminary, he like created the Militia Immaculata, which is this movement that where like it, it challenges you to consecrate yourself to Mary and by your devotion to Mary, um, bring people to the heart of Jesus, Com- convert convert the world. But like its focus is like helping helping um, people who, who don't believe in, in God. It's evangelization. And um, he started doing all of these things when he, you know, like eventually became a priest, uh, a Franciscan priest. Um, you know, he created this whole city dedicated to Mary, like a whole city and where like they have their own like water thing, like they have like own small businesses, their own mail thing. Like it's like a whole city filled by friars, Franciscan friars, like over 500 people. Um, and they're like, just their whole goal was their mission was to evangelize the world through Mary. Like he created like this printing press where he will like create an article every once in a while, like very often send it to like different places for people to learn about, about Mary's role in salvation history, about Jesus. He had like over a million people that were receiving his stuff all over. Um, he founded a, mon- a monastery in Japan. Like going from like being in, in Poland to, to going to Japan, found a monastery there. Uh, he did like 
some of that mission. Like he did a lot of amazing things. Eventually, you know, he he's most known for being in the concentration camp and offering his life in exchange for the life of a Jew who was going to be killed. Right. He, like they selected the Jew and, and, and they, he's like, he's like, please guys don't kill me. I have a family. And to Maxim and Nicole, he's like, like, don't kill him, kill me. And you know, like, offer his life to martyr of love. Um, and like, this is a little bit of, about his life, but like one, one of the things that, two of the things that I realized about him is like, and this at this guy, point you didn't know him? No, I knew a little bit. Okay. I knew a little bit, right? I, I knew more about it, like the concentration camp story because that, that's toward the end of the life of his life. That's kind of like what he's most known for. Mm. So like, um, I'm like, this guy's like so much seal. He has so much confidence. Like if you read some of his writings, they're like, this guy speaks with confidence. He know who he is and he's doing stuff because God is, God wants it. He's not like, oh shoot. Like for example, one story, it was like, they cancel him when he was doing his press thing because like other print printing presses, they're like, they were jealous of him because he was like distributing a lot of stuff compared to how much they were doing. And people were looking for his stuff rather than theirs. And his printing press became even bigger and he hired a lot of people. He was like a huge company and he's just a Franciscan friar who just started a few months ago, basically. And like they were jealous of him. So they, they didn't allow him to like put his newspaper his periodicals and the like the little boxes where they contain it. There's like, it's not a problem. I'm going to teach my, my friars how to drive an airplane and they will deliver it to people. It's just like, who will think of that? <laughs> like, like you encounter an obstacle in your life and you're like, Oh shoot, what am I going to do now? You might even say, Oh, I guess it's not the, the Lord's will. That it's, I, I guess it's not the Lord's will. She's like, this is not an obstacle. I'm going to train my friars to drive airplanes. So like, what the heck is going on with you? Like this guy, knew what he wanted and he was so confident in who he was in the Lord that nothing stopped him from evangelizing. And uh, I was like so inspired by him. And uh, during that time, my spiritual director was asking me like, look for a saint because our last spiritual direction meeting before that, he said, he told me, look for a saint who will help you grow in your confidence in the Lord. And like, I saw this, I'm like, this is the one, this is the one the Lord was asking me to. Um, and then like, I, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do a novena to him. So I started looking it up. And it says, Novena starts tomorrow. What a coincidence that his Novena just started like, just right before, like I learned about him, but, like I did a Novena to him and it was like, like a growth in holiness. I was like a growth in, in confidence in the Lord. Um, I renewed my consecration to Mary. I joined the militia Maculata, so, which is a movement that he started. Um, and, uh, and it's been like, great. It's, it's been amazing. This is again, the beginning of August, you know. And the truth is, just like St. Maximilian Colby, there are so many saints. So many. Like, that, that is our goal, to be a saint. Not, not all of us are going to be canonized saints, but the goal is to be a saint in heaven with God. And, I mean, the canonized saints, in a way, we, we who are here on earth, we see them as older brothers and sisters in Christ who we get to see and hear about. But one day, God willing, when we're in heaven... We will see the stories of every single saint. Yeah. Like imagine that like, like a uh, Avenger movies are like amazing. They're action packed yeah. and every single person, their life, what they went through. Unfortunately, some will have rejected God and they have their judgment, but imagine so many saints that we don't know about. Yeah. So it's, it's something to look forward to. Um, but as we uh, wrap things up, Arturo. Yeah. Um, thank you again for, for being with us, joining us on this episode. 
Are there any last thoughts or a message that you would like to share with the listeners? Or what do you want to tell them? I think I just, you know, like, we, we already know what we're supposed to do in a sense. Because God has already told us. And to believe in the gospel. Seek Jesus. Develop your relationship with him. Say yes to what he calls you to. Don't be afraid of what God is calling you to do. Of course, if you are afraid, it's like, oh, I'm afraid, Jesus, I'm sorry. You know, yeah, Jesus, I'm, I'm afraid, but like, take this fear away. The Lord will, has a great mission for your life. Just as he had accomplished great things for the, uh, through the lives of the saints, he also wants to accomplish great things through your own life. You are the saint that he wants to develop a great story with. Uh, through, with. You know, he has a great plan for your life. He will give you what you need. But I think he just calls you to, to trust. Seek the Lord and trust in his guidance. Remember, like, three main important parts, prayer, sacraments, and community. Think the ways through which God um, helps us grow as disciples, the ways, through, uh, the, the means that he uses to shape us into just to be, and the way that we receive our vocation and start, like, living it out in the world. So pray, receive the sacraments, and in your community or look if you don't have a community um there's a lot you know like there's a lot of groups for young adults for for, for teens for for even uh, older adults uh, a lot of ministries there's a lot of different things it's a little bit of there's something for everyone and if it's not in this parish it's in another one look it out and then also like i guess what i always say is like little i can do uh please let me know i guess i, I can share my information with with ricky and or whatever i don't know what he does but like and contact them and like if you would like to get a hold of me and talk about anything please do so i will be more than happy um you know the lord has a great plan for your life he loves you give you what you need to accomplish it uh embrace it it's going to be a great adventure it's going to be worth it um and i'm here to help you and the church is here to help you and and to do that make that possible man thank you arturo i like to wrap up these podcasts by inviting the guests to close us in prayer after the prayer, I will look at the audience and I will invite them to pray the rosary. Then you, the second time, will look at them and say, pray the rosary. And then together, the third time, we will look at them and say, pray the rosary. All right. So if you could close us in prayer. And with the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Father, we thank you for the gift of life and every blessing you have given us throughout our lives and up to this moment. Thank you especially for the gift of Jesus, your son. You call us to become one with, help us to encounter him, especially in the Eucharist, and every person that we meet, every time of prayer. Help us to be open to receiving the fullness of your spirit, be led by him, that we may be able to do your works and continue your mission in this earth. I also ask Mary for your intercession to Accompany us, you who are our guide, our mother. Help us to listen to Jesus, so united with God as you were. So we'll invite everyone to join me in this prayer, the prayer that 
Harry has, has led for us to do so with a humble and a hopeful heart. So as we say, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. With the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. St. Gemma, pray, pray for, for us. us. Amen. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed listening to this episode. If you would like to support the mission of Cafe Con Santos, then you can do so by liking and subscribing to our YouTube channel. You can also go follow our Facebook page where we pray a daily rosary. And most importantly, you can keep us in your prayers. I hope that wherever you are in your life, you enjoy the rest of this day. Please, please, please always remember, pray the rosary. Pray the rosary. Pray, pray the, the rosary. rosary. Okay, the first time in a while that we get it right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go.